Morning, church. As I prepare this thing, why don't we just look at each other and just give each other a wave and just bless one another in the name of the Lord. God bless you. Uh, it's always wonderful to you know, bring the Word of God to the people. And uh, you know, I, I really feel very excited uh, for what the Lord has to share with us. And, uh, and as you might know, today is, Ascent, uh, might not know, but today is Ascension Sunday. Basically what we are doing is we are celebrating, uh, commemorating the Ascension of Jesus Christ back to heaven. Okay, and uh, we kind of follow the Christian calendar, uh, and, and so basically today is Ascension Sunday. And uh, what happened is, when Ascension Sunday is, is that, I mean, Jesus was, he died, he rose again, and he spent time with his disciples. Okay, and then eventually he went back up to heaven. Okay, so we are, we are kind of like, uh, you know, going, uh, preaching around this topic today. So I was thinking about this thing called last words. Last words. Uh, and normally, normally we know that last words are given, right, at, at the end of, um, you know, someone's life. Right? People normally leave behind a will, leave behind something to say. And sometimes it expresses uh, some kind of... Uh, thought or what they, they want to say and leave behind. Uh, so I, I did a very quick Google as while I was preparing for this sermon, um, and I just wanted to share with you some very interesting last words, okay? Just to grab your attention a little bit. Okay, so let's go to the first interesting guy. I don't know who this guy is, uh, because I didn't study history, for, but for those of you who know Karl Marx, sounds familiar, right? Basically, his last words were, last words are for fools who haven't said enough. This is the last documented phrase. Definitely doesn't apply to me because I will have a lot to say. Uh, you know, uh, I will definitely use it to the full maximum potential. So this is why he said, next guy uh, is this guy called Leonardo da Vinci. And his last documented words were, because my, hey, I have offended God and mankind. <gasps> because my work did not reach the quality it should have. Excuse me, this guy is the guy who painted Mona Lisa. So those of you who went to Paris to see his painting... This is what he thinks of his own work. I don't know whether your money is worth. I have not personally seen his work before, but this is what he has to say. And uh, the last one, I think my slide kind of didn't go through, but is this guy whom we all know, his name is Steve Jobs. He created the iPhones. All right. And his last words were actually very interesting. I'm sorry, I, you can't see it, but it's basically, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh, wow. I don't know why, but that's what uh, probably I think that the person that was with him in his last moments uh, documented it. So, last words are interesting, but today, today we look at the last words of a very famous person called Jesus Christ. Amen. And I, I really love it when I, when I read this passage. I was like, wow, last words, sometimes people leave behind regret. They leave behind wishes that are unfulfilled, legacies that they want to carry on. Jesus, He left us. This earth, his last words were not associated with death. His last words were not associated with finality. It was not associated with something he could not do. His last words were associated with his glorious ascension back to heaven. Amen. And that is so powerful and different because Jesus is different from everyone else on this earth. Jesus' last words were associated with hope and a promise. Jesus, what Jesus said was not a conclusion. He was not entrusting an unfinished task. In fact, next slide. Jesus came to give us hope. So, just going to set some context 
Okay, so before Jesus went back up to heaven, the disciples wanted to know about this thing called the kingdom restoration. Okay, so in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, it goes like this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus replied to them, it is not for you to know. Basically, he is saying, well, uh, none of your business, right? And let's look at the next, what, what else? He, what, in return, what did Jesus give them? Next slide. Basically, Jesus left them with two things, right? The first thing he gave, he left them a calling. Say calling. Calling. He told them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He left, he left them with a calling. Okay, first thing. Next slide. And then he left them with a promise. Say promise. So he gave them a promise and he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The last words that Jesus said on this earth before he left back to his Father's presence was to give us a calling, his believers a calling and a promise. And today we will take a look at what this is all about. Alright? So, next slide. This is Jesus' words for his followers for his belie- disciples and the believers, all right, for this so-called in-between period. If you re- read carefully what he just said, basically he's saying that he, you know, he, he's going to go away for a while, right? And, and he gave them a little task to do. And he says, I'll also give you a promise, right? So in-between, this is what he left us. Next slide. But let's just take a little, half a step back and we have to understand that these last words has to be founded on a hope. It has to be founded on a hope. Church, do you know that Jesus is coming again? Amen. Do you believe it? You see, Jesus' ascension was probably next like met with sense of uncertainty and shock. You see, whenever I read scripture, I love to put myself into, if you know my style, I like to put myself into the shoes of the character. Okay, when Jesus is going back up to heaven, I was imagining, if I were a believer, what would I be feeling? It wasn't documented how they felt. But I, was, I would imagine perhaps they were in shock. They were stunned. Like, okay, so my master died. He rose again. And I'm so happy. And then now he spends some time with us. And then suddenly he's going again. Probably shocked. Uncertain, perhaps. They were following him. And they are like, yes, he's back. He's going to restore the kingdom of Israel. But suddenly he's going again. Would I be uncertain? Maybe. And maybe there were a group of people that felt that they were being abandoned once again. I don't know what you might feel if you were them, but this is just some possibilities. Okay? So, next. But the interesting thing is, while they were looking up in shock slash uncertainty slash abandonment, two men in white robes appeared. Surprise, and they concluded the matter. So they concluded the matter with two things. Concluded with a question. Say question. And a hope. Say hope. Alright? So we read from the passage, verse, uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 10. It says, And while they were gazing, in shock, with their mouths open, and then into heaven he went, and behold, two white men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee. Basically, hello disciples, why do you stand looking into heaven? This question, alright, this question, I would imagine was actually to slap them back into reality. Like, hey, wake up, you know, like, what are you looking at? He's gone, he went back up to heaven already, he said some stuff. 
why are you still staring in amazement? This is like the Singaporean uh, army term. It's called kangaroo gunna spotlight. If you've been driving, if you've driven, uh, done road trips in Australia, I've not really done it, but I've heard about it. If there's a kangaroo crossing the road and, and in the middle of the night, the, the spotlight of your car shines on them, they will just look at you like, and they won't move. All right? And you can't haunt them and they will just stare at you. So it's a little bit like bewilderment, right? So basically the angels will be like, you know, what you looking at? What you looking at? Right? Move on. There's things to do. Okay? And he left them with a hope. And they left them with a hope. It says, Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come again in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? His last words were, were concluded with a hope. And Christians, believers sitting here today and at home and watching this online, Christians have a hope. Christians have a hope that Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. And this gives us strength for the days ahead. We are different from the world. We have a real and certain hope. And later on, I'll expound a little bit more about what hope means. But I really feel excited because as a Christian, you know, yeah, many things can happen out there. But we always, always, always have a hope. Next slide. I want to talk a little bit about hope, okay? Secular definition of hope, the worldly definition of hope, which most of us understand, and I, I usually, you know, nowadays I trust the Google algorithms, okay? First result is this, merriamwebster.com, whatever dictionary thing. All right, I just Google what's the definition of hope, and it says to cherish a desire with anticipation to want something to happen or be true. So applications of such a word hope is, oh, I hope you have a great day. Hello, you have a great day. I hope you get good grades. If you've been to the UK, they talk like that. I hope you get promoted. I hope, I hope. So this hope, yes, is good. But if you think about it a little bit deeper, this hope is a little bit like wishful thinking. You don't know if it's going to happen. It's just like a greeting, something like a feel-good thing. I, I hope you do well. Oh, I hope you get well. You know, there's kind of like very nice cordial phrases. That is the secular definition of hope. And don't get me wrong, it is good. Okay, so please continue doing that in your workplaces and you meet people. It's a nice greeting. But I want to bring you to the biblical definition of hope. Next slide. After doing lots of research, of course, I didn't just rely on the first result in Google. I read through a few. I just, uh, this is, uh, it, more or less, they say the same thing. Okay, biblical definition of hope, and scholars and preachers have done this. It means a confident expectation. Confident. Say confident. I'm making you say a lot of things so that you follow me. Okay? And desire for something good to happen. The Christian hope is founded on a confident expectation. Basically, it means Christian hope. They, we know that something in the future is going to happen and we know with a certainty, we know with a confidence, it is not simply wishful thinking. Biblical hope is powerful. And I guess you already know our hope is founded on Jesus and what He says. And it will come true. Amen. Next slide. And so, as I was going along, I just wanted to think, what is the relationship? You know, hope, faith, right? These two things. So I thought it would be important right now we have a little discussion about it. Okay? So faith and hope, sometimes it, we, we, we mix them up. We use them interchangeably. 
But actually, they are, it's true, they are interrelated. Okay, and today I just want to share a little bit about what I found. Faith, right? Faith is about the past. Faith is about things in the past. Basically, it is a confidence in past facts, in past truths, all right? Faith, we have faith in things that happened already. That is faith. Faith is for the past. Hope. However, is for the future. It is a confidence in things that have not happened and they have not seen. So faith and hope are similar but distinct. Faith for, from the past, hope is for the future. Next slide. So we know from the great Apostle Paul written in his book to the Roman, to Romans, okay, chapter 8, verse 24, he defines hope as thing, something that is unseen. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope, right? Who hopes for something? Uh, for who hopes for what he sees? Basically, you hope in something that has not happened, has not uh, appeared, and you have not seen. That is where we see our hope is in something for the future. Next slide. So we have hope, brothers and sisters, in arising from faith in Jesus' words. Jesus himself in John chapter 14, verse 3 says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. What Jesus said in the past gives us hope for the future. You are learning. Alright? So we all have a hope. Next slide. And Christians, we need faith and hope. We found this, I found this in the beloved love chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Right. I've always wondered, ooh, why did Apostle Paul write? So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. And we always know, ooh, love is the most important, but we forgot faith and hope were kind of mentioned too. And, and finally, I got my answer as I was preparing for this. Faith and hope are important for a Christian. Okay, and why? Next slide. Because Jesus left all believers hope. But how do we have this hope? Next slide. They interact. All right. So remember, faith is for the past. Hope is for the future. And I found this wonderful verse in the book of Titus, written by the same guy, Apostle Paul. And he's, he introduces the book like this. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. Past, right? God's elect, knowledge of the truth. What, what do you mean? The scriptures, what God has said, what God has written and spoken through His prophets, which accords to godliness in hope of eternal life. Eternal life for the future. And that is all the believers, which God, who never lies, affect, promise before the ages begin, something from the past. Faith and hope interact on each, with each other. Hope for the future in the Christian context is founded on faith in the past, what Jesus has done, what God has said, the character of God. And from the faith, we have hope for the future. Amen. Wonderful, right? So, Jesus, God, cannot change. So, we have faith in that. We have faith in that. And then we have hope for the future. Next slide. So we are founded on hope. We know and we have hope because we know that what Jesus says will come to pass. We know that when Jesus says He's coming back again, He is coming back again. 
And the next thing that uh, I wanted to point out from this passage is that then what are we going to do? We are founded on hope, right? Then Jesus gave us a calling. He says, you need to be, you will be my witnesses, being a witness. My question today is, do you have your own witness? Do you have your own encounter? Next slide. You see, witness, again, I took the first definition from Google. What is a witness? Witness is having knowledge of or a development of an experience or observation. And nowadays, we are all legal experts, right? Why? Because now we have high media coverage on the Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard trial. So now we all become lawyers. Right? We know what happens in the courtroom. And you know most of the proceedings, they have to involve what we call witnesses. And what is the witness job? They come to the stand, they take an oath, and then they answer questions about what? About what they know or what they claim they know, right? And then they, they just answer yes or no, and they, have, they are called to share what they have seen, what they understand about the situation from their perspective. So witnesses basically have only one job, and that is to tell people what they know. Correct? Agreed, right? So, next slide. Believers are called to be witnesses. In Luke chapter 24, similar passage, different book. Luke chapter 24, Jesus, uh, Jesus said, Thus, it is written that the Christ should suffer and the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses, say witnesses, of these things. What are believers witnesses of? We are, in those days, the believers, they had the privilege, okay, of journeying with Jesus in person, watching Him do the miracles, healing people, debating with the scribes and the Pharisees, and then they saw Him die on the cross, and then they saw Him rise again. So they had that experience. They are witnesses of those things. And then Jesus also went on to say, because right before this, actually, Jesus was teaching them the Scriptures. Basically, Jesus spent time teaching them what this means and what that means. And the conclusion of the matter, He was talking about that repentance for the forgiveness of sins. We are also, believers are also witnesses of the spiritual truths that the Word of God has imparted into our lives. We are also witnesses of that. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Spiritual truths. Right. So my question is, all of us here, you know, if you're a believer, are you a witness of these things? Right. We are called to be a witness. Are you a witness of these things? Next slide. But to be a witness, you need to have a witness. Logic, right? Next slide. Because the question for a witness normally is, what have you seen? What do you know? What time happened? This thing. So I understand that usually I don't preach to just one group of people. We need to cover all gr as much ground as we can. So the thing is that, you know, all of us, yeah, we're believers, but number one, you might not have seen. You have not seen. Okay. And, and there's no condemnation that comes from this, from this pulpit, alright? You know, if you not, have not seen, right, then you need your own encounter. It's not, it's not wrong. It's okay to have not seen, okay? I just want to make that very clear. It's alright to have not seen. But you need, the, the, the next step is that you need your own encounter. You need that real experience. For those that have seen, then maybe you need courage. You need opportunities to witness. Or even better, you are already witnessing. Amen. Okay, so there is two 
different groups of people. Next slide. But can I just say, right, before we go into the little details, Holy Spirit, power from the Holy Spirit. We're talking about power here. A lot of times we think, you know, oh, power from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I need to go and perform miracles. I need to have people like, you know, slain and everything. And power is demonstrated in a million and one ways. But as I was preparing, and I don't want to, this is actually supposed to after Pentecost Sunday, but I read forward a bit so I give you a bit of teaser, okay? So what happened when the Holy Spirit came upon the church? I was wondering, what was the first thing that happened? I want to know what's evidence of the Holy Spirit. So obviously, they were all speaking in tongues. But one of the other big uh, thing that happened was that immediately, Apostle Peter, he stood up and he lifted his voice and he addressed them. What did Peter do when he was filled with the Holy Spirit? What was the first thing he did? He witnessed. He preached. He told people what he saw. He told people what he understood. He told people about Jesus. Power from the Holy Spirit comes in the form of you being able to witness on behalf of Jesus. That is also the Holy Spirit working in you. So if you have had a lunchtime conversation with your friend and people know that you're Christian and they ask you, oh, what do you do on weekend? That is also the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. Make no doubt about that. Okay, all of us have the Holy Spirit moving in us. So we have power to witness. Okay, next slide. And I love it because it always comes full circle. Jesus is not the pang means he don't leave you alone, okay? Jesus not only gave you the task slash calling, he gave you the power and the means to complete it. Amen. So wonderful, right? Jesus is, and he holds true to his words and his promises. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Even when he ascended back to heaven, he says, you're going to be witnesses, but I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit so that you can witness. He gave you the task, and He will give you the means and the power to accomplish it. What a wonderful Savior that we are following. Amen. Wonderful. Next slide. But before He left, He also gave this very interesting instruction. He says, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Basically, what he's saying is, you wait. You wait. What do you need to wait for? In today's context, what are we waiting for? Next slide. You see, you need to wait to be able to witness. I know this is not the conventional teaching. You know, we all, me, I grew up in the church, okay? Uh, 30 years, still pretty young. You know, and, and it's not wrong, but we, are, we grew up in the church, so many of us, and we are made to serve the Lord fervently and all of us are serving like crazy. And it is wonderful and great and the church grows. Alright, but what I'm trying to say is this. For a witness or a believer, a lot of times if we function without having first received from God, it is very, it will get difficult at times. Why? Because number two, I'll talk about number two first. You might run empty. You see, when we run our own strength, on our own, having not received it, we run on our own energy, our own strength, our own so-called understanding, but it's not real. What happens is that you will run dry. Humans always have limited supply. But you need to receive from the unlimited supernatural source of supply, which is God Himself. Right? You might run empty. And then number one, if you have not first received, or you have not seen, or you have not experienced, or you have not encountered, what is going to happen to your witness? You will become a poor witness, a lousy witness. Not that it is ineffective. You still can 
you know, share Christ with people if you're not received. But what I'm trying to say, I hope you, you get what I mean, is that you become a witness that maybe you don't have your own story. You become a witness that is not real, unauthentic. You're not compelling because it is not your story. It is someone else's story. Alright? So receiving, waiting is also an important task for Christians and believers to do. The best thing you can do for your witness is basically to experience God for yourself first. Amen. Next slide. So I today want to speak about witnessing and having a witness. So I I think there are many of us, big group of us, who have encountered, who have our witness, but there are several categories, so I want to just speak a little bit to those different groups of people. Number one, you have encountered the Lord in your life. You have a witness, but maybe you've grown busy, you've grown tired. And I need to refer to my script for this because I wrote stuff that I think is pretty important. You know, everyone, different people are at different points in our lives, you know, and we need different things. So for those that have encountered, but you have grown busy, you've grown weary, you've maybe been jaded, don't stop witnessing, please. Right? Dig out your stories of faith. Tell those from, you know, tell people about it. Get people excited about it. Why? Why is it important? Because people like me in the next generation and the generation below and your children and those that are new Christians who have not seen the power of God happen in their lives, we need you to share with us why are you still Christian? Why do you come to church every week? Why do you serve so fervently with that fiery passion? We need you to tell us Why? Because it gives the next generation an example of what God can do in Singapore and in the church. Amen. We need to know your journey of faith so that we have something to picture God, to spur us on and give us an objective or maybe even beyond. Amen. I speak in faith here. We need people that have encountered to witness to us too. Next group of people, people that have encountered, they're super passionate but you're afraid. I refer you back to the next verse because then you need the Holy Spirit. You know, witnessing for Christ is not a human thing. It is a supernatural thing, man. No normal human will walk around without the power of God. Go and tell people about Jesus. It is just weird. You know, the Holy Spirit is the one that inspires you. So if you're afraid, all right, keep praying. Ask the Lord for the Holy Spirit. Next week, Pentecost Sunday, please come down to church for the service, right? We are going to talk about the Holy Spirit. But you need not wait till then. This week, prepare your hearts. Ask the Lord, Lord, I need your Holy Spirit. Give me power to share with so-and-so. I have a burning passion. I want to share with my parent, my sibling, my brother, my colleague. I don't dare, right? Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the wisdom to move. Find the opportune moment. You know, wow, I've got problem. faster share during lunch or something like that. That's the second group of people. Third group of people, those that have encountered and are on the front line of kingdom work. Hey, amen. So many of us are like that, right? Okay, my word for you today is, don't give up. Don't give up. It's very important to just keep going. Right? You have the passion, you have the fire, you're doing things. Don't stop. Don't give up. I know it sometimes it gets tiring. Yeah? But you see, even in primary school, I think uh, primary four, we already are made to grow green beans in cotton wood, not cotton soil, if you're lucky. But I got cotton wood. Anyway, what allows you is that. But when you grow a plant, right? You put a seed into the plant, you water it. Do you immediately expect to see something happen? Answer is no. Which person, logical person, plant the seed in the soil? Every one hour, dig out the seed. Grow or not, put back. Take out, grow or not, put back. No, you don't do that. Why? Because the the, the seed needs to germinate. 
needs to grow roots. And only maybe after several days or maybe a week, depending on which plant you grow, then you start to see the shoot come out. So it takes time, right? So don't give up. You are pouring into people's lives, don't give up. But pray also. You need the Holy Spirit to function also. You need to know where to spend your time, your resources, and your energy, which person to pour out to. And, and this is really the life of the Christian, right? Relying on the Holy Spirit to lead us. Amen. And then the last group of people, which I feel is important, are those that have not encountered. Or actually, script that. Those that have not encountered and those that need a fresh encounter. You see, I said just now, it is difficult to serve the Lord and continue living out our calling without having first being a witness. We need a witness to witness, right? So for those who have not encountered, I just want to share with us today, and I will draw this to a close. Did I talk for very long? You know, don't give up on God, okay? Don't give up on God, please. Because you see, our God is good. Our God, He wouldn't even spare His most precious possession. Those many parents are here. Your children are precious to you. Would you give your children to die on someone else's behalf? No. No way. But God gave His most precious possession for you. What else would He withhold from you to pursue you back? He wants you to know His heart for you. His heart that loves you. A lot of times we go around thinking that, yeah, I need to pursue God. I want to run after God. I want to be... And, and, and that is great, right? That is definitely right. But have we, in our lives, allowed God to pursue us? Have we allowed God to show us His heart for me and you? You know, individually, personally. Now that is very important because if you have not yet received and experienced the Lord, it is so difficult to tell people God is good. God loves me when you don't even really, really, really understand that. Salesmen understand this logic. If they don't believe in their product, they cannot sell. I'm not a salesman, by the way. All right, but anyway, jokes aside. And I close with, oh, oh, I need to cover this verse, sorry. So those that have not encountered, be like Jacob, right? In Genesis chapter 32, verse 26 to 28, there was this guy called Jacob. He really, really was obsessed with the blessing because he was the second child. So much so that he cheated his older brother to steal his firstborn blessing. Alright, and I think, very interesting passage, go and read it. He basically had this wrestle with God. He told God, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then after that, his name became Israel huh? because he struggled with God and he overcome. How many of you want to be an Israel? Okay, just joking. But if you have not encountered, you know you can ask the Lord, God, I'm not going to let you go until you meet me. You bless me. You meet me in my area of need because I need you to show up here now so that I, I can experience you. I want that experience with you so that I can be a good witness, a legit witness, an authentic one. Amen. So that is, you know, the Lord just wants to chase you. I really feel that this is the word in season next slide. And I will close this, this, with this. The question really is, you know, I titled today's sermon, What Have You Seen? Because I think it is so important at this season, uh, I just feel very strongly for this, is that what have we seen, you know, as, as a church, as a, as a Christian? Do we have that story? Can we witness in that way? But let's go back to basics, you know. It is very important to first receive from the Lord. Many of us struggle uh, with, you know, our encounter. We need a fresh revelation. And for those that have not encountered, ask, 
Ask, ask, ask the Lord, meet me, meet me, meet me, so that I can have a real relationship with God. I just want to pray for us today. Every head bow, every eye closed in this place. You know, if that is you, right, and this word is speaking to you, whichever category you fall on, we all need the Holy Spirit. We all need the Lord in our lives. We all need to see God. And I just want to give you in, in this little space just to ask Lord for that one thing, that one thing that you want God to just appear in your life. Or maybe even if you don't know what you need, just ask God, God, will you show up in my life? Will you please show up in my life? I allow you to show up. I want you to oh, make me feel so loved. I want to know for certain that you are my God and I am your beloved child. I want to know that you can deliver me from my struggle. I want to know that I'm not alone. I want to know that I'm not the only one that is hurting. I want to know that you see me in my darkest moments where I'm helpless, where I'm hurting. I want to see your hope where I find no hope. I want strength. Just lift up the request to the Lord because He hears every request. No one is too old, no one is too young to ask from the Lord. His heart is for you. His heart wants to see you. His heart wants to love you. And for you to experience Him that you might have that inside out transformation. I promise you, your life will never be the same again. If that is you, maybe I just invite you to open your palms like facing the sky but you don't need to leave it too high but just to receive and I will pray over you and then the service will move on. That is you. Father, you see the hearts lifted up to you. You hear the requests of your people. We so very much want to see you. Not what other people see, what I can see. Lord, Holy Spirit, just come and minister to the people, to all of us, Lord. We need that fresh revelation. We need that fresh encounter. We need that special encounter. Holy Spirit, just come. Will you please show up in our lives, Lord? Father, I pray for spiritual strength for the days ahead. As we gaze upon the hope that Lord Jesus, you left us. And we hold firm to the faith that you have given to us. Lord, you are wonderful, beautiful, and merciful. May we go, Lord, in the power of your Holy Spirit that we might be wonderful, wonderful witnesses for your name, for your church. Oh Lord, just Holy Spirit, come. We want more of you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All this I ask in Jesus' mighty name and everybody say, Amen.